1: As we look at God's word today, one of the, the main focuses the words that Paul gives to Timothy in his first letter, the 6th chapter. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Dear friends in Christ, her name was Alexandra Scott, but everybody called her Alex. She was the founder of a charitable organization that had raised millions of dollars for pediatric cancer research and with a generous heart and a simple idea Alex was the spark that really set ablaze a whole movement that has touched lives in all 50 states and even numerous countries on August 1st 2004 Alex died she was just eight years old Two days before her first birthday, she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, a pediatric cancer that she battled for over seven years until it finally claimed her life. And when she was only four years old, Alex was so grateful for the help that she had received, the care, that she decided to set up a lemonade stand. And it was to raise money for a local hospital in Connecticut. Alex's lemonade stand and her strong spirit, it soon attracted the attention of the entire community. The lemonade stand became an annual tradition, and the idea began to spread. And hundreds of other young cancer survivors followed Alex's example, and they set up lemonade stands across America. In 2005, the year after Alex died, Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation had raised over $4 million to find a cure for cancer. And even after she was gone, the generosity of an exceptional little girl was still yielding huge dividends. I went on to their site just two days ago, and they have now raised over $150 million for that cancer research. Alex had demonstrated a revolutionary type of generosity. She had a gentle spirit, a kind heart, and a determination to act. And it wasn't merely out of self-preservation, but it was to help so many other young children as possible. And her example reminds us that the generosity that we know of is really both a quality and it's a practice. It's a quality that's free from complaints, it's full of gratitude, and it's driven by concern. And it's a practice, to them. won't let one person just sit still and not help others who are in need. We can all be inspired by that young life of Alexandra Scott because of her Christ-like compassion in her. It would have been easy for her to feel sorry for herself, to become withdrawn, to think that she was being punished by God. But she didn't. Instead, she was remarkably generous, even during that time. Giving of herself when her body was weak and her energy levels were really depleted. She was open to others. She was willing to speak in a way that she could share. And she was determined to give all that she could give. Now, in comparison to young Alex, who among us doesn't feel blessed, more blessed, and more capable of demonstrating generosity right now? So let's be honest about this, too. Relatively speaking, all of us are rich compared to certain parts of the world. If you happen to pick up one of those uh, Starbucks cups of coffee, You know, that cup of coffee is equivalent to one day's wages over in the country of Sudan. We're all rich, too, in ways that previous generations only dreamed about. And there's a purpose that is underlying for the blessings we have received. You know, let's put it into the context of a very powerful scripture verse. You heard it in the reading that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. You will be enriched in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a revolutionary thought that is. God makes us so rich that we can be generous. Now, of course, the riches that are given to us by God, you know, we know that they're just not material or monetary riches. And the generosity that we express is not just material or monetary either; it's multidimensional, and its impact directs hearts to thank God for that, and not to praise ourselves or any other human being instead. Take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, that's not just some fancy wording that I came up with to get your attention right now. It comes directly out of scripture. As I shared earlier, Paul's words to that younger pastor, Timothy, he's the one who said to him, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And in that way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Yes, we do live in this life, but... We are preparing for that life to come. Eternal life for us and all believers in Christ. During the weeks, we had shared at times the book of Proverbs. A lot of wise sayings, right? Well, there's some additional things that Proverbs gives us when we look at our financial management and also with generosity. One's in Proverbs 11. It says, One person gives freely and yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And in Proverbs 22, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. God created us with a willingness to give. To give to God, of course, and also to give to others. And that design is part of our makeup. We actually have the need to be generous. And yet there are two voices that are over our shoulders and they they war against that type of God-given impulse toward generosity. And they tempt us to, to keep or to hoard things that we have. And the first one of those is the voice of fear. Fear of what might happen to us. Fear, perhaps, along with a misplaced identity about What is the true source of our security? And fear keeps us from being generous, and it leads us to hoard the things that we have. The truth is that in hoarding, it offers no security at all in this world. The second voice is self-gratification. You know, our culture tells us that our, our lives consist of living in abundance of our possessions and having pleasurable experiences. And so we find ourselves thinking, well, if I give, then I'm not going to have enough left for me. When the Holy Spirit had created faith in each of us and the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out, we find that our fears begin to disappear. Our aim in life goes from seeking personal pleasure and gain to pleasing God and also caring for others. And although we still may wrestle with these voices from time to time, we're able to silence them more effectively as we grow in Christ. And the more we grow in Christ, we know the more our lives belong to him and not to us. The more generous we become. Generosity is a fruit it's a fruit of spiritual growth. Now, there's numerous Bible reasons to give to God and to others. In the book of Acts, you know, we find more joy in doing things for other people and for God than we could ever find doing for ourselves. Jesus in Matthew says in the very act of losing our lives for him, we find life. And in Psalm 24 Life is a gift, and everything belongs to the Lord. He owns it all. From the days of the Old Testament times, especially those early days, God's people, they observed a certain practice of giving some portion of the best of what they had to God. A gift offered to God was a first fruit, or a tithe, and it equaled one-tenth of whatever they had, of their flocks, their crops, or perhaps income. Abraham is the first one who is recorded to have given a tithe in Genesis 14. Jacob also gave a tithe in Genesis 28. Now remember, this is even before the law of Moses and all. Before God gave them commandments, they were still doing that. And then God commanded the people of Israel through Moses... In Leviticus, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. As Christians who live in the new covenant, we're not bound to that law of Moses. We look to it as a guide. And yet, most Christians agree that this tithe is a good guideline for our lives too. And it is pleasing to God. And though tithing can be a struggle, it's possible at virtually every level of income that one could have. Perhaps right now you're not at a tithing point. Well, take a step toward that. Perhaps you can increase. Maybe you're giving two percent. Well, go to three, four, five, perhaps. Keep going up. God understands where you are, He knows all things. And God will help you make the adjustments in your life necessary for you to become, even at whatever point, more and more generous. Tithing is a floor. It's not a a ceiling point that we just go up to. God calls us to give beyond the tithe. And we should strive to set aside an additional percentage of our income for offerings to other things that are important to us, such as perhaps mission projects, schools church building funds and even other non-profit organizations that have good purposes so what does our giving mean to god how does our giving affect god from the earliest biblical times the primary way people worship was by building an altar and offering a sacrifice of one's labors upon it the fruit the first fruits And they would burn that sacrifice of an animal or grain as a way of expressing their gratitude, their devotion, and their desire to honor God. And the scent of that aroma was pleasing to God. God saw that offering as a gift which expressed love. It showed the faith of the people and their desire to please and honor God. And that's what moved God's heart. It wasn't the the smell of burnt meat or or grain or different things. But when given in this spirit, too, even for us today, we know that our offerings bless the Lord. So what is our Lord's response to our giving? Well, in Luke, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measure to you. And in Matthew 25, just before Jesus is about to approach that cross in those days, he says, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Our generosity affects us. Our generosity, when we are generous in those ways, to God and also to our families, our friends, our neighbors, and others. Anyone who perhaps is in need. Our hearts are filled with joy when we're in that mode. And they're enlarged, our hearts are enlarged by the very act of giving. When we give generously, we become more generous. And in it we find the blessings of God, as he wrote in Malachi 3, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, God says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for you to store it. Many Christians say that if you give, then God will give even more back to you. But that's just not how it works. We don't give to God so that we can get something in return. The amazing thing is that when we give to God and to others, the blessings just seem to come back to us. Of course, there's no guarantee that if you tithe, that you will not lose your job, or that something bad will not happen to you. Still, when we give generously, the unmistakable blessings of God flow into our lives. The stewardship of God's abundant blessings that he pours into our lives, they both transform us and they serve as a witness to that transformation that has taken place in us. The elements of stewardship, financial management, contentment, simplicity and generosity They open to us the experience of joy in the Lord. They give us an abundant life that is ours through that cross of Jesus Christ, who gave his all for us. And it's also to the depth of what it means for you and me to be members of the household of God. He committed all things for us, for our salvation. And at this point we have an opportunity to give our commitments too. And so we'll have the ushers as they come forward now to receive those commitments. If you have them, just pass them to the middle aisle if you're here. If you're in the outer wing, uh, just pass it toward the inner. And uh, they'll start in the back and they'll come forward. And then we're going to pray about that too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to be generous as you have been generous with each of us. And teach us that all we are and have are gifts from you. We know that gifts, Lord, are meant to be shared. Help us to walk by faith and not to be swayed by the problems that surround us on every side. Help us to live by faith and not by sight. May we trust you to provide for our daily needs each day. Help us to read your word more, to believe it and not to doubt your promises. Accept these commitments we place before you now. We give these to you out of praise and thanksgiving for all that you've given us. And we pray that these commitments will reflect our knowing that all things come from you. Lord, you're a generous God, and you gave far beyond what we could ever have imagined or asked for in giving us your own son, Jesus. You gave the ultimate gift, and it cost you dearly. Make us generous in all ways and to help us seek ways that we can meet the needs of those around us that we would be generous with our time and resources, generous in listening to others, and generous in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.